Inside Access with Jason Lockonfora and Ken Wyman. Sponsored by Stevenson University Online. Your master's and bachelor's goals haven't changed and neither has Stevenson University's online commitment to you. Visit online.stevenson.edu. 1057 The Fan. The Ravens. Unfortunately, announced today that Rashad Bateman, he is done for the year. Ken Wyman, he is out at the castle. He will rejoin us at 5. We will get the latest from Ken. But joining us now is Bucky Brooks. He's an analyst for NFL Network, Fox Sports, Fox Sports Radio, and Fox Sports Digital. Bucky, let's start with the breaking news. Rashad Bateman, how much of a blow is it to the Ravens' offense and can these receivers step up and try to fill this void? You know, it's a huge blow because he came into the year uh, expected to occupy the number one role. Uh, he's shown some flashes, but then the injuries obviously uh, takes him off the shelf for the rest of the season. And so now someone else has to step up and fill that void. Uh, for Lamar Jackson, he's typically done his best work targeting tight ends. And so I think you'll continue to see those guys get a hefty workload. What do you think of this Deshaun Jackson signing? Um, I mean, obviously, right, he's still got wheels, I guess, Bucky, but durability hasn't exactly been his strong suit in the latter stages of his career. No, you know, it's such, such an interesting signing because I never could imagine Deshaun Jackson going to Baltimore right? based on how he's always been a guy who has wanted the ball and delivered big plays. That's it. It makes sense from a philosophical standpoint. When you run the ball as much as the Ravens run the ball, Typically, when you decide to throw a pass, you want to push the ball down the field. There's not a better deep ball threat in the National Football League in history than Deshaun Watson. When you look at his numbers, and uh, he has numbers that surpass Jerry Rice when it comes to, like, big play touchdowns and those things. The thing is, at his age, how much does he have left? He still flashed last year with the Rams and the Raiders, but how much of an impact can he bring at this stage of his career remains to be seen. But at some point, the Ravens are going to need to put him out there because they're going to need that big play threat to help them kind of take advantage of the tight boxes that are going to be loaded up to stop the running game. Bucky, we've been screaming for a while now for Devin Duvernay to be involved more in this offense, and now he's going to have to be out of necessity. What have you seen from Devin Duvernay so far this year? Um, um, look, he's, he's a fantastic playmaker. Uh, he's a guy who kind of came in the league as a big-time playmaker from Texas. He did some things in the return game, but now he's settling in. And as he develops the chemistry uh, with Lamar Jackson, you can see where they are beginning to maybe design some things to put him in uh, opportunistic prime positions to make big plays. Uh, Everything for this Ravens offense is evolving and making sure that you continue to evolve the offense as you head down the stretch and into the postseason. Because when you get into the latter stages of the season, and particularly in the playoffs, the game changes a little bit. The Ravens have to stay one step ahead of the uh, crowd because when they begin to give to take away the running game, the passing game is going to be what ultimately determines if they advance in the postseason if they get there. Bucky, what do you think of the Saints? It's kind of been a weird year for them. Um, three quarterbacks, I guess, in all, playing at least somewhat of a significant role. Um, Dalton seems to have settled in as the starter. Um, and he's been he's been pretty productive. They've scored a lot of points, if nothing else, since he settled in there. Yeah, it's such a weird thing, right, because 
he gets the starting gig on a after a Thursday in which he turned the ball over a handful yeah. of times, a couple of pick sixes and those things. But uh, I think Alvin Kamara kind of spilled the tea when he talked about he didn't feel like Andy Dog panicked in those situations. So it kind of raised eyebrows about how Jameis Winston must have been handling the offense when he was there. But it's been going well. They've been scoring a ton of points. They've kind of got back to the blueprint that has always been successful for the Saints, running the football. When they run the football and they put the ball in the bellies of their running backs and Taysom Hill, they win a lot of games. I think that is the formula and the recipe for the success going forward. We're speaking to Bucky Brooks, who's an analyst for NFL Network, Fox Sports, Fox Sports Radio, and Fox Sports Digital. It's inside access on the fan. And, Bucky, with the Saints team, they're 3-5. and five. Every single game has been one possession in their losses besides that Bucks game where there was a defensive touchdown in that one. But it seems like the Saints are just their worst enemy. They have a strong offense, but turnovers have just killed them. Yeah, turnovers have killed them, but that's the number one killer in football. Like It's an ultimate determining factor in who wins and loses the games each week. If you just take care of the ball, it enhances your odds of winning games. And so for the Saints, they have not been able to do that consistently. But when they do take it, take care of it, and they do have like most of their weapons available, it's a very talented team. I was very bullish on the Saints coming into the year. I thought this was a team that had a legitimate chance of making a Super Bowl run just because of the talent that they've assembled on both sides of the ball. If they continue to find this stride, if Andy's on takes care of the ball, yeah, it's a tough out. They're a very, very difficult team to deal with because of the talent that they do have on both sides of the ball. Anything stand out for you at the at the trade deadline and anybody you really felt like Bucky improved themselves or really missed an opportunity to improve themselves? You know, Jason, I think what we're seeing is a changing of philosophies yes. when it comes to the way people – treat the trade deadline. For the first time in a long time, I felt like the football deadline was very similar to baseball and basketball in terms of people making moves. Uh, I think because you now have a younger generation of general managers who are more willing to part ways with draft picks um, for players, I think it's been a change. The old guard, the Ron Wolfs of the world, uh, the Ted Thompsons of the world, yes. the Polans of the world, rarely made those deals because they saw the draft as variable valuable currency this new generation the younger they're kind of our peers they're like no no no. give me the players over the picks because the picks don't always turn out to be good players and so you're seeing more teams say give me the proven thing even if i have to overpay like maybe the miami dolphins had to do for bradley Chubb when they signed the deal at least i know what i'm getting getting i would rather have that than what's behind door number two uh, when the draft comes along in a couple months. Well, and Bucky, you obviously know that Packers organization well, and you mentioned uh, Ted Thompson, and you mentioned Ron Wolf, and obviously that's Packers lineage. I, I talked to a lot of general managers for a piece I did for the Washington Post reviewing the deadline, and, and they kind of felt like maybe Green Bay, because of that influence, and yeah, Goody's a young GM, but like they're not really there there with the rest of the pack, and that's why Aaron Rodgers, to some degree, is sitting there with the same group of guys he's been sort of ripping uh, for the last four or five weeks. Look, I can tell you, Jason, having played there, having worked as a scout for guys who are descendants of the Ron Wolf tree, that is absolutely the deal. Like, for Green Bay, for so long, it has always been draft and develop, homegrown products. Like, we can fix our own problems with the people on our roster. We only make a move if it's a big move down the stretch or in the offseason. And what you're seeing is the Packers have stuck with that stubbornly to a point. 
right? It's always worked out that they've always been able to get guys outside of the first round. They develop like we've listed the names, James Jones and Rema Cobb and Greg Jennings and on and on and on. But now you're looking at a young group of wide receivers who don't appear to be making like that immediate mm-hmm. impact. And so I'm looking at the Packers and look, I, look, when you play in Green Bay, they don't necessarily do moral victories. It's title or bust right. every year. And so in watching them play against the Buffalo Bills, I saw what they were doing. They're trying to run the football. They're trying to create uh, a different path for them to win games. I just wonder if they have enough time for it to click that way while Aaron Rodgers is playing. I will say this. When the quarterback is older, he needs more help and more support. He can't throw it around the yard 40 and 45 times and put them on their back and they win. They have to be able to run the ball, but he has to find one or two playmakers that can be consistent pass catches in key moments for this offense to play at a high level, the level necessary to win. Last thing for you, Bucky, you're a draft expert year in and year out. David Ajabo, he's been uh, activated off pup, not expected to play Monday night, but after the bye week, that's a distinct possibility. He was going to be a top 15 pick. Ravens got him in the second round. What are your expectations for him when he does make his debut? You know, it's so funny, man, because he's dealing with an injury that used to be like uh, the, the career ender. Yeah. If you had an Achilles tendon, and it, it, it was over. Cam Akers has kind of sport us on the fact that, like, oh, no, you can come back, and you can come back just as powerful and explosive. When he was at Michigan, he was a guy that was beginning to find his way as a pass rusher. Learned a, a lot working opposite Aiden Hutchinson. Not necessarily as refined as Hutchinson, but, man, every bit the explosive athlete. And when you look at some of the explosive players that Baltimore's had, Owe and some of those guys, he fits in that mode, but a lot of the pressure is on the D coordinator to create those opportunities because in the past, Wing Martindale did a great job of creating opportunities because the Ravens have always valued cover guys over pass rushers. I'm curious to see how this works out, but look, he's a five-star athlete, a dynamic playmaker, still raw, but he has tools. It's just how are you going to maximize those tools in a scheme it really puts the pressure on the corners more so than the pass rushers. He's Bucky Brooks, an analyst for NFL Network and Fox Sports. Bucky, we appreciate you taking the time. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks, buddy. We'll see you. Ken Wyman, he's going to be joining us at the top of the hour. He's at the castle. He was at the press conference when John Harbaugh announced that Rashad Bateman will undergo season-ending foot surgery. But coming up next, it's Northern Exposure. You're going to want to hear what Ed Reed had to say about the Steelers moving forward. Also, we've been talking about it for a while now. Ben Roethlisberger, new podcast. It's not different anymore. It's footballing. And Ben, is he? does he have uh, aspirations to be a coach? Mm. You'll hear Ben's thoughts after the break. It's Inside Access. We're taking up until 6 on 105.7 The Fan. Inside Access. Northern Exposure on Inside Access. Sponsored by Plaza Ford. See why customers have trusted Plaza Ford for more than 85 years. Get quality vehicles and superior service at Plaza Ford. Bel Air Road in Bel Air or online at PlazaFord.com. Jason Lockenfora and Ken Wyman traverse the AFC North. 105.7 If I was to give advice to my robbery team, what would I tell them? Keep doing what you're doing, especially if you suck. 
<laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know what advice to give to a team that I played against and I didn't like. So, no, nah, keep doing what you're doing because I'm still rooting for the other squad. I'm with Ed Reed. That was yeah. Ed Reed on the 33rd team, and it's called spade a spade. Steelers are terrible. They're two and six. They're going to finish with a losing record this year. Not if Mike Tomlin can escape Man, it. That, would, that he's he, coach of the year. He deserves coach of the year votes. If he gets and, to nine and eight, and to put it in perspective, this you know non-losing season streak predates him at Cowher. Yeah, uh, you know your your coworker, 2003. And then, of course, they drafted Big Ben in the 04 draft. I was in third grade, Jason, in 2003. I am, I am not used to seeing a Steelers team look this lost. Yeah, they are lost. Um, and a guy who I think quietly is relishing it all is our <laughs> buddy Ben Roethlisberger, who we ha- we've had a lot of fun listening to him opine about all different sorts of things over the last few years. Um, and if slash when that streak ends and with all the tumult going on at the quarterback position, whether it was get Trubisky out of here, fire Matt Canada, now the natives are getting restless up there about Kenny Pickett's development because they haven't had to see a young quarterback go through this in 20 years. Um, I just wonder if Ben is just kind of stroking his his Fu Manchu, assuming he's rocking one, and just kind of chuckling, an evil kind of grin, evil laugh. Well, that is a professional segue, Jason, because Big Ben's new podcast, it was different last year. Now it's footballing. Footballing. All of these episodes, of course, on YouTube, I mean, they're like two and three hours. How much of this did you subject yourself to? it was crazy. Like, this guy, keep in mind, Ben, in this episode, it was on Halloween. They're doing it during, uh, or no, it was Sunday Night Football. They were doing it during the Bills-Packers game. And Ben's wearing sunglasses inside for whatever reason. Hmm. They're drinking beer. They're having a good time. Spence is back. Love Spence. And it was basically a fan mail episode. So oh. Ben Ben was asked, Ben, w- would you ever be an offensive coordinator? The number one question that was asked <laughs> is, would you ever consider coaching or being an offensive coordinator? And I will say, I will say, you gave a great interview Okay. Earlier in this podcast, if someone was looking for an OC, you oh broke down God. the offense Spence. very well. It's uh, have you done this before? Um, Seems like you had some experience. You know, I think there's a lot of work involved with that. You know, a lot of um, behind the scenes, a lot of film stuff, a yeah. lot of meetings. There's a lot involved with it. Um, I would like to be a armchair coordinator. <laughs> Just being honest, there's a lot of armchair quarterbacks out there. Do I would um no I. I would not want that job um, just because, you, I mean, you just, yeah. you're just tough. <laughs> and so um, I'll leave it to the experts. Jason? Uh, it's, it's, it's priceless. <laughs> he doesn't want that job because it would be work. It would be a lot of work. Well, he bragged last year about what? He was off Wednesday or Friday. He was like, I don't do anything. Well, <laughs> yeah, he was off Wednesdays. <laughs> yeah, yeah Wednesday. he's been off. He hadn't practiced on Wednesday in a long time. I, I, well, I do like the idea of him as the armchair coordinator, like, He's got like a phone line. It's like, you know, you used to call the gambling lines. It's like five ninety nine a minute to get the picks. It's like $10 a minute, and you tell him your offense is broken, and he sits on his couch, and he fixes it. You know what I mean? Like, Giro gives him a call. Ben, what would you do? And Ben fixes it on the fly. So he said he's an armchair coordinator, and he did offer some advice to Matt Canada. To me, if I'm, if I'm the coordinator, 
Okay. This is what I'm doing right now. You've got nothing to lose. I'm literally <laughs> saying I'm throwing the ball deep hmm. on first, second, and third. Down. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, listen, I'm letting it go. I'm not throwing the five-yard pass. I'm not throwing the three-yard pass. Right now, and it doesn't have to be a deep, like, seven-step drop. Like, I know you worry about protection. You can catch it and throw a ball 10 to 12 yards downfield, and they can they can do more with it. And I, you know, they took some shots today, which I know everyone was, you know, talking about. We got to take shots. We've got to do this down the field. They did do that, but to me, it felt like it was just too few and far between. Mm. And I know some people are saying. I heard Chris Hoke say it on the post game, like they need to they need to identify, be a run team, and run sure. and run it, run it. I think Coach Cower said you got to run it, especially with the rookie. I get it. I understand what y'all are saying, but at this point, it's time you guys start doing something different. Yeah. Sure. Um, and I expect nothing different than Coach Cower either. He's a, he's a running kind of guy, but right, Coach. Coach Cower catching yeah. a strike. Big Ben, throw him to the Wolves. I want I want nothing but but empty set deep shots with no offensive line. Go ahead, Pickett. Live and, with that. And last one, Kenny Pickett. He talked about long drives but not ending up in points. And Big Ben, he offered some advice there. <laughs> and I want it to be known that I said it here first. You did. To the worldwide audience watching this live, I called him. My league MVP, right? Yeah. Okay. And what else it. did you call? Uh, I said, I think I said the Bills win it all. Yes. Right. But yes, you did. whether yeah. they do or don't, I think that dude's the MVP. But he's just gosh, he's played with confidence, and he's a really good football player. So congratulations, Mr. Allen. Yeah. But um, you know, watching the offense today, I here's what I, here's what I liked. Here's what I thought was good. I thought they put together some drives, which they've done that the last two weeks. Now they, they've they've put together 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 play drives, which is not easy to do. The problem is they kept stalling out. Mm. And, you know, I heard Kenny say during his press conference today afterwards that, you know, when you have that many plays at some point, you got to expect something bad to happen. Mm. I don't know you need to expect something bad to happen, but be, be confident and positive in the, the fact that you're putting those together. Mm. You're able to drive the ball down the field. Now it's just a matter of what we're doing in the end zone. How are we get in the end zone? What are we doing in the red zone? He's loving, He's loving this. this. He's absolutely <laughs> loving this. And and way to go out there on a limb with the betting favorite. Nobody, nobody's talking about Josh Allen. Is the I'm the guy. I'm the one talking about the Bills are great and Josh Allen's the MVP. Just remember, just remember who started that hype train. This guy right here, number seven, armchair coordinator. We've talked all week, Ravens, Super Bowl contenders. You bring in Roquan Smith, Mr. EDC, pushing some of the chips to the center of the table. Well, Ravens, unfortunately, lost a very key piece to their potential deep run. Rashad Bateman, he is done for the year. How can the Ravens withstand that void on offense? We're going to tell you next on Inside Access. Inside Access. 1057 The Fan. Severe weather alert. Torrential rainfall expected. Inside access to the castle with Jason Lacanfora and Ken Wyman. Brought to you by LifeMed Institute. When we get sick, it sucks. Get the fuel you need at LifeMed Institute with vitamin booster shots. Call 410-575-1200 or go to LifeMedInstitute.com and boost your defense. One announcement on the uh, personnel injury front. Uh, Rashad Bateman has decided to go ahead and get a surgery. For his, uh, for his foot. Um, he's going to get the Liz Frank uh, surgery. It was one of those ones where it was up to him. He and he, his agent and his family talked it over, and they decided to be in his best interest to do that. So we support him on that. We understand what he's doing. Mm. 
Unfortunate news from John Harbaugh earlier today, probably about an hour ago. And Ken Wyman, he was out there. He's going to be joining us at the top of the hour to give us the latest from Lamar Jackson, Ronnie Stanley, John Harbaugh. Open locker room. We'll hear from Kenny at the top of the hour. But it's the unfortunate news of the day, Jason. Ravens lose their number one receiver for the season. Yeah, I mean, look, if you've been listening to us all week, we've been telling you that this was a very real possibility that he was not going to play for this team anymore and that they had to approach the trade deadline as if he was not going to play another snap for them this year. And he's not going to play another snap for them this year. And a wide receiver room that a lot of evaluators in the league would have called one of the worst in the NFL prior to this injury now is without the guy who certainly had the highest ceiling and the guy who the most was expected of. Um this is a team that's tended to run the ball more as seasons have gone on, Bone, right? They've they've wanted to aspire to the evolution of their offense in the passing game and become more of a big boy downfield passing game. They, they tend not to get there, and then they turn, tend to lean more heavily into what they really do, which is run the football in a multitude of ways and run an offense through a tight end in the passing game. And that's where we are, and... You could look at it, I guess, two ways, right? You could look at it as, oh, it's not like there was a ton of productivity from Bateman, right? Like you could say, well, he dropped a lot of balls, right? He had a super high drop rate, didn't seem to be on the same page with Lamar a ton, would would float in and out of games, right? He'd kind of show up, disappear, show up, disappear, was very inconsistent. So how difficult is it to replace that production when that production was spotty? But... Because of his physical makeup and because of that high-end ceiling I talked about, you still had to respect him when he's on the field. You had to you had to pay him some mind. You take that out of this, and you're throwing me 36-year-old Deshaun Jackson. And I'm by I've been buying Duvernay forever. But there's not a lot of there there. And there's an opportunity cost, right? The deals you make come at the expense of the deals you don't make. And we got into it with Gigi a little bit beginning of the of the week because, you know, he's doing cartwheels over Roquan Smith. And I'm like, well, if I'm only going to have one, two to trade, I'd rather get into that Jerry Judy thing because I might need him next year, too. Because I don't know about Rashad Bateman's availability. He's barely played any football for years now, going back to Minnesota, whereas Roquan Smith is a rental. So they chose one over the other. We'll see how that plays out. But I have a hard time thinking we're not going to be talking about the does Lamar have any weapons thing. Like, that's not going away. No. That's who they built. That's that's their DNA. That's who they are. That's what they believe in. They don't believe in getting in the receiver market in any real way. They just don't. And when they draft them, they suck at it. That's the reality. You're insulting Eric DaCosta. I'm just speaking truth. With Bateman... The biggest thing they lose with him is Yak. And this team doesn't do well with Yak. Mark Andrews, he's the leader. He has 42 catches, 145 Yak. Bateman, 15 catches, 133 Yak. So uh, he's 12 yards away from the leader despite having, what is that, uh, close to 30 less catches. And I'm with you. Bateman didn't live up to the hype that Ken and I had. He's still vastly better than anything else that they had with the Demarcus Robinson, James Prochet, and about to be Deshaun Jackson. You could talk yourself into this is the week he takes off. This is the week he takes off. This is the week he looks like a number one receiver. You can't really... 
No. You can't talk. You can't have, like, you're not, that's, oh, like, there's nobody. Like, I like Duvernay a lot. Duvernay is not a legit top end number one receiver in this league. That's just, that's not going to happen. That's not who he is. Now they need to get him more involved in the run game than even they have already. And do I think he could be a, more of a weapon for them in the slot if they leave him there? Yeah. But he's not taking games over by himself. No, he's not. And that's why I said earlier in the show, you, you kind of got to get back to 2019 here. Uh, the run game has to be extremely efficient for this offense to be successful. And even when Bateman was in the lineup, it was still spotty, Jason. Well, look. With Bateman, when he was available to this point this season, at the midpoint of the NFL 2022 campaign, they've got 61 receptions, all their wide receivers combined, the Ravens do. Third worst in football. Only the Bears, who don't throw the football, they play rugby. And the Titans, who've played seven games, not eight, have fewer. 790 wide receiver receiving yards. 30th in the NFL, ahead of only Chicago and Tennessee. 97 targets. Two wide receivers. That's 31st in the NFL. At the same time, the Ravens have as many targets to tight ends. They have far and away the most targets in the NFL, most receptions in the NFL by tight ends, which which is, is kind of good. But as we know, when we get to playoff time, and if you might need to score into the th- mid-30s to beat a Chiefs team, to beat a Bills team, you probably want playmakers on the outside because those, te- those teams seem to value that. It was ultimately negligent that – the Ravens went into the season with this and we hammered Eric DaCosta for outside linebacker going in with two, but it's worth noting. You had the reinforcements had potential cavalry yeah. in, in the pipeline with the Tyus Bowser with the David Ajabo. If you can stay afloat to that point, they had a 35 year old Deshaun Jackson midway through the season as their contingency. Who didn't plan. have a camp, who didn't have a normal ramp up, and who's been hurt a lot late in his career. Demarcus Robinson was cut by the freaking Raiders. Uh, I mean, in training camp, you had the four wide receivers in a Prochet, Wallace, Bateman, Duvernay. All of them were year three or fewer. The fifth spot was going to be an undrafted free agent, and we were throwing out the names there as a Riley Webb making. And then they ended up bringing in Demarcus Robinson. It's just, it's negligent because if a Bateman goes down, which ended up happening, you're hitting the panic button like we're doing right now. I'll couch it differently 790 yards, all of their wide receivers combined. Tyreek Hill is 961. Stephon Diggs in seven games has 764. Again, the Ravens have 790 as a team. Justin Jefferson in just seven games, 752. Waddle, who plays on the same team as Hill, 727. Come on. Come on. Good luck, Lamar. Yeah. Good luck. And thankfully, the offense or the offensive line is a heck of a lot better before, but uh, this year. But Defenses can crowd the box. You can take Mark Andrews out of a game, focus in on him, and just say, okay, James Prochet, beat us. And that's what the Ravens uh, have coming their way. But coming up next, Saints. They're coming the Ravens' way on Monday Night Football. And pretty startling numbers in what the Saints can take away on opposing offenses, Jason has them, and he will tell you that next. It's Inside Access. We're taking up until 6 on The Fan. Inside Access. It's not just a radio show. This 
is your inside access to the facts that others ignore. Jason LaCanfora and Ken Wyman. 1057 The Fan. Day Rashad Bateman, he is done for the season. He will undergo season-ending Liz Frank surgery. We want to hear from the people. How concerned are you with this receiver group moving forward? Do you think Eric DaCosta should have did more in the offseason? Should he have done more at the trade deadline to bring in impact guys? 410-583-1057. Ravens. Still got a game to play Monday, Jason. And you have some very interesting numbers about that Saints defense. Well, look, the Saints defense is most vulnerable where a guy like Rashad Bateman could hurt them. It's it's the wide receivers in particular, guys on the outside, winning one-on-one battles, especially with Lattimore out, and being able to go bombs away. And passes to wide receivers, Saints have... Uh, they're 24th in yards per pass, 8.9 yards per pass. They average two wide receivers, a 108.8 rating for quarterbacks targeting wide receivers. That's third worst in the NFL. We already know the Ravens do less of that than every, anybody other than the bears. Uh, and what they do is throw to tight ends. And we've been begging them to throw more to running backs, right? Like justice Hill, Kenyon Drake, I mean, we wish Dobbins was available and lean into that. But I don't know, Bone, if this is the week to do it. The Saints, when tight ends and running backs are targeted, 74.7 passing rating, best in the NFL, 4.5. 4.5 yards per attempt passing to tight ends and running backs. That's, that's unbelievable. That's like basically the league average for running the ball. That's first in the NFL. 61.5 completion percentage. That's first in the NFL. They got some linebackers there. They've allowed just two passing touchdowns, the tight ends and running backs all year, with one interception. And when you drill down on tight ends specifically, they dominate. The league average passing to tight ends is 98.9. It's 61.2 against the Saints defense. That is... Best in football for them. No touchdowns, one interception, four, just 4.78 yards per reception by tight ends. You're usually thinking at least nine or ten yards in those scenarios. Um, Lamar throwing to running backs and tight ends, 105.6 rating, fifth best in the NFL, nine touchdowns, second best. 845 yards throwing to tight ends and running backs. That's third most. You you got to think the Saints are like <laughs> you got to think the Saints are like this is likely kid and we don't think Andrews is playing and we've been telling you since Monday that Bateman's not playing in this game he wasn't playing in the foreseeable future and probably wasn't playing all year so the run game better be robust Bone and if you're looking for positivity the Saints they dominated the Raiders twenty four to nothing and effectively took Josh Jacobs out of the game but heading into that matchup. Saints were giving up 123 rushing yards per game on 4.6 yards per carry. So hopefully the Ravens can get it going on the ground. Jay is in Baltimore. He wants to talk about the news of the day. Rashad Bateman being done for the year. Good morning. I mean, good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, I'm not surprised about it because we've never had a good repertoire with receivers, no matter what. Torrey Smith, he snuck through the cracks. And that's about the best one we ever had. So if we don't 
getting over veteran receivers every year, our receivers ain't going to be nothing. They do their little special here and there, but they're never consistent like all the yards, like Jason was saying. Tyreek Hill has his one yard by himself is more than our whole team. 200 you yards. Know, we, yeah, that's, that's, we ain't never been a receiver's team first. So it don't surprise me that he's hurt or we get a receiver, they get hurt or don't pan out. It's just Baltimore football. That's all that is. Y'all have a good afternoon, yeah, gentlemen. Thanks for the call, Jay. And I don't disagree with any of that, but one of the things that Eric DaCosta said when he took over for uh, Ozzie Newsom is they were going to take more swings at the receiver position with premium picks. And he did. He did. Two first-round receivers in the first three years. Devin Duvernay, he was a third-round pick. Miles Boykin, they traded up to get him in the third round. Tylen Wallace is a fourth-round pick. He just hasn't connected on those swings. He traded away Marquise Brown before he finished his rookie deal, and I do want to preface it with he got great value yes, there. Did. But Rashad Bateman and the injury is extremely unfortunate. You haven't gotten much out of him yet. Either. And you have to worry now, right? Like, you have to be concerned about this young man's development because it's never, I was, I'll say it anyway, it's cliche, gotten off on the good foot. <laughs> I mean, right? He had the issue in the first camp, and then Lamar's got COVID, and so they're not together, and Lamar comes back, and he's barely practicing. He picks up in the middle of the season. Uh, Lamar gets lost for the season, right? Lamar's not around a whole lot in the offseason because why should he be? Guess what? On the franchise tag, he ain't going to be next year either. And then that's when Bateman's doing his work. And then Bateman's hurt again. And then Bateman comes back. We can debate whether or not he should have played on that Thursday night game. Very short week with a lot of rest on the other side. He played. He didn't get through it. As we said, he was probably not going to play any football this year. He's not. And they don't have much in reserve. Before we step out, injury report is out. Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman, they did not practice. Calais Campbell, Justin Houston, Ronnie Stanley all didn't practice as well, but those are just rest days, and Gus Edwards didn't practice either. Ken Wyman, he's in the studio. Kenny was at one winning drive, so he will rejoin us after the break. Kenny will give his observations. It's Inside Access. We're taking you up until 6 on 105.7 The Fan. Inside, 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 access with Jason Lockenfora and Ken Wyman.